Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. What's up, all of you Survivor fans? Welcome back. I know it's been some time since Survivor has ended. We're honestly trying to, you know, catch up. We are missing it dearly, but we are lucky because we have a special guest Ethan's on here today to take us back to the most epic season of Survivor ever, if I do say so myself. Ethan, how are you? I am doing fantastic now that I am off the edge of extinction. <laughs> a little bit more safe in my own element here in New Hampshire. So, But thank you for having me on the show, guys. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, it's awesome to see you. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We, we, you know, we're hardcore fans. Our viewers are hardcore fans. And we unanimously, everybody just said season 40 is what everybody's been needing. Season 39 was a little bit of a letdown, a disappointment. There were twists and turns that a lot of Survivor fans weren't into just in general. And season 40 just delivered nonstop. So hands down, whatever you want to say to you guys and everybody else. So thanks so much for an exciting season. First off, it was awesome. Well, I didn't really have much to do with it. However, <laughs> I enjoyed watching it. By the end, it's like I was just watching my friends on TV, which is what it was like for me. But it was awesome to be a part of it. And I couldn't agree more. I think the game was spectacular with all the twists and turns and everything. And I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, I love the season. I love being part of it. I love watching it. All of the above. Yeah. Veronica, I'm going to try to get another one of our panel members to be able to come in. So Veronica, start off with Ethan here and let me see if we can get uh, Steve. Just so you know, Ethan, we have two more panel members normally. Uh, Timmy can't be here. Steve, who we're going to try to get in right now, is actually part of the dream team for several seasons, designing and testing out uh, those challenges and obstacles. So he's been integral. He's going to come on and tell you uh, what you did wrong and how you could have done yeah, it better. Great. So, yeah. He's going to tell you, of like, you should have been digging this way instead of that way. The rope goes okay. over can and not tell me there? how I would have been able to climb up that freaking hill 20 <laughs> times better than I did? Can you tell me that? I'd like to know that right now. Probably not that one. That one, that one seems that a, little, uh, a little custom to the location. I don't think uh, Steve was <laughs> able to test that. But Ethan, since you brought it up, you know, that was kind of one of your big moments this season. I feel, you know, something we brought up on our after show was this was obviously a celebration of Survivor. And every single contestant was a fan favorite. You're all winners. We all loved watching your journeys on your individual seasons. And this season also really... I feel was able to showcase a lot of you, like all of you guys were able to get great screen time and you had, we were able to see your personal journeys for that moment for you on edge. Could you maybe take us through that? What was going through your head? And we're, cause we were nervous, honestly, like when someone exerts themselves to exhaustion, we don't know what their fate in the game is going to be. Were you, you know, how was that for you? Oh, it's just spectacular. Just having that moment just makes me feel all calm. You know, it's great. It's like instant PTSD right now, right here, live on your show. No, but 
listen, I thought I was prepared for this season of Survivor. I did everything I could possibly to get myself in shape, you know, mentally, physically, watch the seasons, did puzzles, look for I, everything you could imagine someone would do to get ready for the season. However, when I got to that challenge, different story. And basically what happened is we got to get 20 logs, you know, one at a time at the top of the edge of Extinction Hill. And I don't know, I, I had a bad day and I was dehydrated and I took off way too fast. I was trying to follow Natalie, of course, who <laughs> led a rocket pace up that hill. And I just got to a point where I think it was log number 16, where my, I just, my depth perception was a little bit off. And every time I tried to step over a rock or something, I was like three inches short. And then I finally got to a point where I just, uh, I kind of just collapsed and passed out. The doctors came in and uh, I ended up peeing all over myself, which you guys did not see. Thank hey. God. But I'm telling you now it happened. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a really tough moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It went for me at, the, at that time. The, the prep that you just talked about doing is so interesting because we talked a ton this season and they obviously themed it a lot with the editing of old school versus new school, just like your shirt you're rocking right now. And a lot of us said exactly what you just said. Like, look, these old school players uh, such as yourself, other people, it's not like they haven't been watching every season. They know about hidden immunity idols. They know the kind of challenges. They've seen all this stuff. Do you think being old school versus new school actually had an effect? Like, was it difficult to put into practice what you knew there was going to be hidden immunity idols? Was that more difficult, easier said than done kind of thing once you got out there? I Yeah, I feel that's a good way to describe it. I've watched every season. I'm a fan of the show. I analyze it like you guys do. But until you're there in the moment doing it, there's no way you can prepare. Like, how do you train looking for idols? Right. You know, how do you train on these weird you know, balance things and over your head. All it's just difficult to train for that stuff. What it's hard to get to get a grasp on for me watching it is how quickly information is passed from one person to the next. You don't really, you don't necessarily see all the downtime where people are still talking when there's not even like anything really to talk about. So like the the, the speed at which decisions are made and the speed at which information is passed was a lot different for me. So that that's something that you could just not prepare for, nor did I understand that that's how the game was played. You know, I'm going to I'm going to say it. I'm going to be that guy back in the day when we played Africa and All-Stars, you know, you know, you you, you warmed up to it. You learned about people. You you kept a little bit more information to yourself. You developed right. these relationships. Now like you say one thing to one person, they turn around and they it's instantly, it's like what's happening in Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It's the exact same thing. So that was difficult for me to grasp before I got into the game. Now, Ethan, you're talking about kind of how the game itself has developed from your time on Africa and All-Stars. It's obviously been gotten very advanced. It's gotten very fast. So that's the game part. But what about the survival aspect? You know, you played on Africa where you guys were quite honestly needing to survive out there. You were defending yourselves in a shelter from like lions and stuff like that. So it's very different from being on a beach in Fiji. 
But obviously this season with Edge brought a whole new other aspect. Would you say that the survival aspect has changed and advanced as well? I would say it hasn't advanced. It's actually whatever the opposite of advanced taking is. Taking a back seat. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's regressed, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Part of the skill set to be a survivor winner back in the day, I believe, this is my opinion, is you had to have survival skills. You had to learn how to suffer. You had to learn how to live off the land, get your water, boil your water, find the food. That survival, build shelters, that survival aspect of the game, in my opinion, has been removed. So as someone's coming into the game where that's one of your skill sets, that's one of your assets, like my whole thing in Africa was to make myself a crucial member of this community, crucial to everyone else's survival. So without me, they would struggle. And for me, I would struggle without them. So like first up in the morning, get the chores, get the water, build the fire, do well in the challenges. It was a communal type situation. Doesn't even matter right now. Like if you want to be the provider of food, there's, there's no points. You don't gain anything from that. Um, if you build a shelter, no one really cares. You're just a boss building the shelter. So things like that, has changed. It's taken it out of the game and they've replaced it with hunting for idols, looking for clues, more gameplay strategy, how to use the fire tokens. So just things that were important back in the day are less important now. Look at how much weight was placed on challenges back in the day. Immunity and reward. It, it was the whole game. If you perform yeah. bad in an immunity challenge, you were at risk at getting voted out. In today's game, if you do bad in an immunity challenge, you're like, listen, this is new school survivor. We're not going to vote someone out just for being bad in a challenge. You know, right. that was the entire game. You would have been gone like that if you're bad in the challenge. Keep the strong, get rid of the, rid of the weak. Now it's like, keep the weak, get rid of the strong. So it's just a lot of differences between before and after. Nothing is better or worse than the other. It's just different. That's the way I would describe it. Well, it's really different considerations too, because back in the day, you lose the immunity challenge, somebody's definitely going home and almost everybody's up for grabs, right? Now with hidden advantages, immunities, you never quite, it's very difficult to formulate a straightforward strategy of who to get out because there's so many unknowns. And just like you said, back in the day, you would triple think voting someone out if they were the only one that could fish. And that seems never a consideration anymore. It's not like, well, Ethan's really getting us fish every day. We're hungry. We can't. That's never in there anymore, at least in the edits that we get in the discussion. It's fascinating how it's evolved. We've had a lot of people actually in our chat and in our comments call for almost a return to old school stuff. We miss like the survivor auction. We miss the gross eating challenges. And to some extent, I think a lot of us miss not having so many advantages to just pile up on one another, then it's almost impossible to form a kind of strategy. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I can't say which obviously I prefer the older style of play because I perform better in that atmosphere and that kind of the way the game's played. But yeah, I think there's just, it's just a different way the game is played. I don't necessarily, I feel like what's interesting for me now is playing when there's social media around. And so I've been able to see real time what's resonating with fans and what's not. And it seemed like the time on the edge of extinction where you got to learn a little bit more about the characters. You see me cry, you see poverty consoling me, Rob going through a moment, those real emotional moments, the human side of the game, 
people seem to like that a little bit. They're like, oh, we want more of that. We want to see more of that. And then you don't really, that stuff was removed from the game because there's so many added stuff they have to include. Like, how do you share the narrative when there's so many storylines and so many clues and idols and stuff to be found? It's, I right. give Jeff and the crew an incredible collapse for making it a, like a coherent story, if you will, because there's so much happening all the time. Yeah, Everyone's doing their own little thing. So for them to do it uh, in such a great way, it's fascinating for me that they can get it done and it's exciting. But well, like you said, just we uh, needed that. We needed that this season, or else you don't have a narrative of Natalie. And there's not, there's, you know, there's not as much to root for when she comes back at the end. I got one last quick question yeah. before V Squared jumps back. Who were you most looking forward to playing with coming into this season, whether you knew them or not beforehand? My, you know, I was excited. You know, I, I'm friendly with Parvati outside the game, so that was like my one connection. Uh, I wasn't really excited or anything to play with anyone. I didn't really say, oh my God, I want to align with this person. I would look at the other side. For me, it's walking into uh, like an open opportunity because I felt coming into this game in a good way, I didn't really have much baggage. I played so long ago. People forgot. They probably thought I was dead because of cancer. They didn't even know I I showed up. They're like, holy shit, you're alive? (laughs) Like, whoa. So like, I thought my advantage going into the game was no one would remember how I played. They know I'm a nice guy. I'm charitable, but they don't know strategy and gameplay. They probably forgot about that. So I thought having that and having the less no lesser things known about me would be an advantage going into the game. It didn't turn out to be that way, but that was my thought process going into all this. It's funny, Ethan, because that on our panel, that was also our exact thought process. We thought that the old school players were going to be seen as kind of the less threatening players just because you know you guys had played so long ago the game was different maybe the new school players were going to think that person's too threatening we need to get them out now and none of us ever thought that tony would actually make it all the way to the end because he was one of those new school players but again it just goes to show how far the game has changed and how perception and opinions change every single day and of course there's so much more that we're not even seeing yeah, and I think just uh, the, the history of the show added to the perceived threat of everyone. You know, Rob and Parvati and Sandra, these huge giant names that are franchise players for the show Survivor coming into the show, they come with a lot of baggage, as they mm-hmm. should. And so I, you know, I feel like that, that was their impetus for voting people off rather than how they are playing in this game at that moment. So everyone coming in with a re- resume, everyone coming in with past seasons behind them is an interesting way to try to judge who's worthy of staying in the game and who you want to align with. But I think the old school players, in a sense, you know, back in the day, like, listen, 27 million viewers would watch the show each week. Now, what, we're at 9 million, 7 million. It's different. And so we're coming in with this known entity, whereas all the new school is, they're lesser known in the world but better might be better players in this strategy of the game now. But back then we come in with just the, the, the presumed threat and the power. Uh, but it wasn't really that way. The way I, I didn't go for the pregame Alliance. I didn't do any of that stuff. So I wanted to show up at the game, develop the relationship at the game unfolds. Cause if I locked myself into anything pregame, that would have just been more difficult for me. And so there's only seven old schoolers that were cast 13 new schoolers. So like you look at that, it was pretty easy to gang up with us. Look what happened in Survivor All-Stars. Let's get the winners out first. They won before. 
let's get the old schoolers out first. They played before, they all won, they're huge. Let's get them out of there. So we have to worry about them. I think that was going on a little bit. So what you're yeah. telling me is that you didn't play poker and get into poker alliance <laughs> with anyone before the show started? Shucks. Like, right? Imagine, like, this, that is fascinating to me. One, pregame alliances are happening. That's new. Two, people are taking information from outside of the game, weaponizing it inside the game to make a big move. Like, there's no lines anymore. Everything's fair game. No way am I showing up at another charity event because, like, people are going to be recording me and, like, holding that against me if I actually get to play Survivor Season 60 and my, like, Walker and Kane. Yeah. And I'd imagine the people who want to go to play back again, they you got to be careful now when you're in public places because people are going to use that information about you in the game. It's yeah, crazy. absolutely. Yeah, and we we saw the old school versus new school thing kind of happen right away. The poker alliance that was strange. That was here and gone. It's like they made a big deal out of it one episode, and then we'd never heard of it again, or at least with the edit. The biggest thing to me and people who watch our show, they know I really get, I hate it when people quit. I hate it when people give up. That just frustrates me to no end. And I have the biggest respect ever for Sandra. I just think she's amazing. Obviously she's sick with the game. What did you feel like when she put the sale up? Because I was like, this sucks. Like I hated it. I wanted her to stick it out. I don't care. Whatever. I was, it was just really disappointing. I was a little ambivalent. Part of me under, completely understood her rationale. Look who's at the edge of extinction. Challenge beasts, Natalie, Rob, Tyson, Yule. Like Sandra really didn't have a chance to win the play in challenge and looking at it that way. Um, and she's clearly sat out most of the challenges. So that's just not her thing. Surviving isn't necessarily her thing. Her thing is strategy and gameplay and that stuff. That wasn't happening on the edge. Second part of it, like the other side would be, I thought just out of respect for the game and to pay tribute to what the game has given her, maybe she would have stuck it out. And more importantly than that is, especially on this season, you never know what's going to happen on Survivor. Everyone could get the virus and have to be go home and there's one person left and that's Sandra. Like maybe there's three chances to get back in the game. We had no idea. Maybe you could win an idol to get, there's so many options. They ended, none of them played out, but you have to keep yourself alive because you just never know what's going to happen in the game of Survivor. So that was my whole rationale for staying. I didn't want to pull the flag. I knew I had two more chances, but maybe more than that because you know it's a new game. No one knew what was going to happen. It's funny that you say that um, when you were on edge, you kind of didn't know what to expect. Now, this is just curiosity. So season 38 was Age of, Edge of Extinction, where we did kind of learn for the first time what edge is, you know, at what points do the challenges are the challenges that help get you back in the game. Were Was production for season 40 already happening during the airing of that season? And that's why you didn't know what Edge of Extinction was? Uh, no, we knew, I knew Edge of Extinction was, we didn't know it would be in play for okay. our season. Uh, you know, we didn't know, it, we didn't know there's, there's um, fire tokens currency. We didn't know it was for $2 million. We didn't know there was an Edge of Extinction. In the back of my mind, I was always thinking like, well, you got all these big names, these big players, there's got to be some twist that's going to keep them around a little bit longer. Maybe it was, the, you know, whatever, I forget it. Exile Island, we could play yourself back in. I didn't know there had to be some twist to keep us around or a second right. chance because I, you know, no one would come back and play again if they knew there wasn't a way to get back in. I think that's that was my perception. 
So I saw what happened on 38 and I understood what would happen on 38, but I didn't factor that into my game for um, season 40. And it was a little bit different in the sense there's more challenges. Obviously there's fire tokens and there's a menu and more people kept coming to the edge than I wanted to be there. <laughs> <laughs> we got Steve here. Everybody's loving Steve. Steve, hey guys. Steve we hey told Steve. Ethan you're going to uh, correct some of his challenge uh, losses and how he could have done better. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely number one thing, eat a ton of food at catering at base camp, da-duh. Yeah, I should have done that, sorry. I mean, everyone knows the show is shot on a soundstage in Burbank, right? I mean, of course. <laughs> Animals get put back in the cages, services come out at night. It's incredible. It's the best place on earth. Yeah, oh, Ethan, I just want to say, I uh, the whole Edge of Extinction sort of, you know, should they do it or should they not do it, I loved it for this season just for the, the fact that I got to watch more of you and Rob and Amber and all the folks who, you know, maybe they did go out a little bit early, but it was like, you know, you were saying like, you're, you know, just hanging out with like people that you're, you know, part of this community. And I kind of felt like that too, where I was like, I just get to, get to watch you guys and Danny and Yule and all these people. It was great. Well, I'm glad you, en you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a fan of the show, I don't love the twist as a contestant. I love the twist because you're still in the game, but as a fan, I think it's a little bit, a little bit mixed messaging in terms of just the core aspects of the game of survivor and that, you know, whether people like it or not, or where they bring it back, I think the edge of extinction is perfect for blood versus water. That's how it should be mm -hmm. played because if you get voted off, at least you have something to play for that's still in the game. Like I could try to win stuff to send to my partner that's still in the game. So I think it works out well there, but like I didn't really have, you didn't have that much to play for if you weren't finding stuff and none of us were because Natalie hid it from everyone until maybe <laughs> later and you know, Tyson and Parv, they got wind of it. But other than yeah. that. Rob like, and Amber had their own blood versus water season, nobody <laughs> else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because we said a really similar thing on our show because we all did 38, we've been doing this for a while. So 38, and I know I keep ragging on her, but we said the whole time like Reem could win this whole thing. And that would be kind of nuts because she didn't do anything at all and got voted off right away and just stayed on edge of extinction. So that was a little frustrating as a fan, but with your season, we all loved you guys already. We already knew a lot about everybody because of seeing you. So to us, it made a lot more sense. They also made it much more active. And it was like Steve said, it was fun seeing all you guys who are a lot of our favorites and, you know, just because Natalie got voted out, we don't lose her right away and we don't get to see her. So I think it, it's just unique for an all-star season like this. Yeah, I think it worked well for an all-star season yeah. because, you know, it's an all-star season. We come from previous times on the show. People want to see more of us, I'd imagine, especially like a Rob. The feel was a little bit more like Africa, old school survivor. Yeah. Survivor. You had to survive. We really were relying on each other to get ahead day by day you got to build fire you got to get your food every morning you're looking for food there's not that much action all the time you're waiting around for a challenge every two three days four days maybe so in that sense it's a little bit more like an old school style of play not much strategy talk on a daily basis yeah who were you survived or survived who were you surprised at uh, made it as far as they did you know not surprised. 
not surprised. I mean, maybe Denise a little bit in the sense that she's very, very soft-spoken, very quiet in a good way. I'm, there's nothing bad about Denise. I'm just saying I didn't see her do much during the show. I mean, I was only there nine days. So what am I talking about? And, but what I'm watching on TV of Denise, yeah. you know, she's a little bit, you just, she's not making waves. So, you know, to see her get the where where she did and made that big move against Sandra, another big move against Nick, the whole like pretending to be upset and getting voted off, brilliant. So like she made some big moves, got her head in the game. So I was a little surprised to see as far as she went as far as she did. Yeah, I think a lot of people had sort of Denise as pegged as like one of those lower tier players or whatever, you know, that's just kind of how uh, Tony sort of played it up as the lions versus the hyenas, but she had a very specific strategy and I, I love Denise. I love watching her. So it was a lot of fun to see her, uh, sort of, you know, I feel like in the old school survivor, you could go in with a game plan and, uh, sort of like, this is my strategy. This is what I'm going to do. And in the new school survivor, you have to be constantly changing. I think I remember you saying, that you were going to go in, in Africa, that you were going to going in as like an assistant coach where, you know, you would let somebody else sort of take the lead. And uh, I was thinking like, that's really cool, but that would never work now because you have, to, you have to change your plans like every single day after every single vote out. It's like, okay, the, the deck is reshuffled. However, I do feel most comfortable in a role where I'm a guy behind the guy or behind the girl. So like an affiliate role for me is where I feel comfortable. I'm not an A-type personality. I don't like to bark orders. I don't necessarily like to be in the leadership position. So for me, it's like the Sarah Lucina to Tony type situation. Um, Didn't work out in her favor this time. Uh, but I like to be the guy behind the guy making the decisions together, but let someone else take the credit, let someone else take the fall, good or bad. I'm okay with that. Uh, that's kind of where I find as a good place for me, just, you know, even in life, in the sense that I'm all about partnerships, I'm all about collaboration. That's how I get, it's open doors for me. And so I took the skills that I learned in my real life and I tried to apply it to the game of Survivor because it's worked well for me. It worked in Africa. It's exactly what I did with Lex and Tom and Kim. I was never the front and center. I was always yeah. one behind the one. But conferring, I'd filter that information and spit it out how I wanted it to because Lex would come to me to talk about people. People come to me to talk about Lex. And I was just the intermediate. And it just worked out well for me at that time. And so the same situation, Rob and Poverty, I was behind them. And then I kind yeah. of had a little side gig with... Uh, with Adam and he was definitely wanting to be the face in the, of that tribe trying to make big moves. So I was okay in every position. I love Ethan that you did have this kind of alliance with Parvati and Rob. And one of my favorite moments from this season is Rob has always been a contestant that when he plays with people, I feel contestants are intimidated by because it's Boston Rob. You didn't care. Like one of my favorite things was in the season was what that moment when you're like, Rob, you, you stunk yeah. in the challenge. Let me quote you correctly. I'm like, dude, you <laughs> suck today. <laughs> yes. It was, it was such a fun moment. And I think that's one of the things that the, that the viewers really loved is that we get to see you guys. It's like, you know, you're talking about how everyone's coming in with the, these, this name, this experience. And it's true but how that doesn't affect the other people in the game so much. Like no one's really intimidated by Boston Rob's kind of legacy. They're like, okay, Boston Rob, I'm either going to play with him or I'm going to play against him. And that's kind of how it is. Yeah. No, you nailed it. Yeah, I agree. 
it's, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was fun for me in that sense because I mean, it's a game of survival. You're making friends with people, but you're also playing a game. So that, you know, that that's what the most difficult part for me personally is the mental side of things. The, the crossing of the lines between friendship and game, that's always been difficult for me all three seasons. But for me, it was fun to be to reconnect with Rob. I hadn't seen the guy in 16 years. And instantly, you know, like we're, we're hanging out. We've got a little bromance going on. <laughs> and I loved it. And obviously on the edge, I really got to meet people that I, you know, if I'm looking for the silver lining, if there is one, for my experience on Survivor, it was, you know, I got friends, you know, I got some friends out of this, which will stay with me forever. So little, I uh, loved that be- about this season. I felt like a lot of uh, these sort of personal relationships and like how the game interacts with real life of the contestants, that was something that we saw a little bit more of this season. And I guess because it is a historic season. And we, we said, you know, in our previous episodes that like they were sort of showing us a little bit behind the curtain and uh, I kind of like those moments, like uh, when when the jury uh, rushed Jeff and gave him a big hug. <laughs> whose idea was that? I don't know whose idea that was, <laughs> but it was uh, it was. Fun. I mean, we really were shocked that they sent us our family. One, it came a week or two early, a week maybe eight nine days earlier than it was supposed to be. And you know, based on season thirty eight, we didn't expect to get a family visit. And then they brought our families there, and it was just. That was such a great moment. <laughs> but it, this was the first time you were on a jury, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What, were you surprised that everybody on Edge became juror members? I, I was. I mean, I'd seen season 38, so I knew that was probably going to happen. But yeah, for me to be able to loosely stay in the game and actually have the ability to make an impact with my vote um, was a good feeling. It made you want to pay attention. It made you want to stay in the game. It made you not want to quit because I, if I was going to suffer for that long, I want to have a say in who's going to win this $200, you know? So that was important for me. And we, we talk a lot about, about the final vote, about the jury. Do you feel like this, you know, winner's season, do you feel like people's uh, criteria changed based on how they vote. We talk a lot. Do you vote with your heart? Like he wronged me or that's amazing strategy. I respect the game. Do you feel like it was different because of who you all are? Yes, I do. I think more weight was placed on strategy and gameplay there than personal relationships and heart. Although I feel that was a very big factor of the game. Me, personally, I struggled big time with my vote. I ended up voting for Natalie. However, as a purist of the game, a huge fan of the game, I understand like the two most important things. You can't get voted out, and you got to vote people out. And Natalie really didn't do either of those. So I believe Tony was the rightful winner. Uh, I think he played an incredible, almost perfect game. I think he did absolutely spectacular. But I never met the guy. Never spoke to him, never smiled with him, never shook his hand, never said one word to this guy. Yeah. And therefore, I lived on the edge with Natalie for 30 days. She crushed everyone, including me, destroyed us. And the thing is, like, it's like we're in jail. And she broke out of jail. And she was <laughs> free, right? So, in, in, And she just v- validated how difficult and traumatic the edge was. And no one else in the game was able to experience other than Tyson playing in the game, out of the game, then back in the game. So if you want to look at a full picture of what was going on in this season, you can make a point where like, well, the someone that deserves to win is someone that experiences the full game of Survivor, which is getting voted off, playing back in and winning. 
That right. is the full experience. Tony never went to the edge. Do I fault him for that? No, I right. could. I could, yeah. you know, if you're going to go be real specific. But anyway, Natalie was my vote. Like, I believed in her. I was great friends with her. I respected what she did out there. She destroyed everyone. I think if she went up against Tony and beat him, she won the game. Uh, however, like, it just gets back to just her supporting her, validating what we experienced on the edge. And just, she was our, she was the one that got free. She broke out. She's yeah. free. <laughs> well, to all that point, I said on our last episode for the finale, I feel like this might be the end of Edge of Extinction because it almost proves that it might not be possible. She was voted out first. She crushed it, came back, crushed it when she came back and still didn't win. So it's like, maybe maybe it's just not possible. <laughs> In any other season, if Tony wasn't there, I think she wins. Mm. You know, but we, she knew, like we all talk on the edge. You know, my only experience with Tony was what I saw at Tribal Council and then what people told me when they got right. to the end. So for all I know, it's made up. People are still lobbying for certain people that happened even to Ponderosa. So my only experience is I had to take people's words. So I didn't navigate that situation myself. But I feel in every other game, Natalie could have won. You know, she played such a great game. But I think she knew going into it that Tony was a threat. We talked about it. We talked to he was playing the best game. You got to watch out for him. You got to split up him and Sarah. So she knew going in that she would have to get rid of Tony in order to win. And then when she had the opportunity to do so, I think she was just um, confused. She thought if Sarah won, she could beat Sarah. Uh, if Tony won, she probably felt she had a good chance of beating Tony uh, based on her experience on the edge. I think she thought she had a, a couple more votes from the edge. Um, and then Michelle, unfortunately, I mean, she played a great game and I'll go back to, I feel she would win in any other season if Natalie and Tony weren't there. I mean, she, she did really well winning challenges and hearing her full story. I think she performed the best at final tribal. And honestly, like the way she rationalized her game, explained it to us, gave concrete examples. She was composed, funny, sad, a whole bit. I think she did a great job at tribal council. I think she won tribal council, but obviously leading up to that point, she needed a couple more big moves. That's interesting because I don't know. I, I think the four of us going into it, obviously you were there and you heard everything, but I think the four of us going into it were like, Michelle's got no shot. <laughs> oh yeah, she had no shot, but yeah. I think she performed best at tribal council. So it, yeah. I think she did a great job of caps, you know, and uh, cap, whatever, figuring out her story and sharing it with us. That made sense. Cause I didn't know. I, uh, according to me, she didn't do anything. Like she didn't really do anything. Right. I didn't even think, but watching it back, I see what she did do and then how she explained it. Tribal Council made more sense. So I don't think she deserved to win this game, but she did great at Tribal Council. Ethan, one of the things uh, us viewers tend to hear on various seasons of Survivor is when it's time for the final tribal, the jury comes in and kind of makes this announcement saying, you know, we're, we're up in the air, you know, try and persuade us. Would you say that was true for this season or was were people's minds kind of made up by the time that tribal came along? I I don't think people's minds were made up. I think a large percentage of the jurors, their mind was made up, the people that played closest to Tony. But, you know, I mean, I'm starting at, uh, I'd say Sophie. But before Sophie, everyone was maybe a little bit up in the air. Mm. I don't know, maybe not Wendell and Adam, but me, Yule, Amber, Rob, Danny, um, Parvati. We were all on the fence with Tony or uh, Natalie, I think, going into it. So a lot of us were undecided. 
Uh, I even feel that, you know, at, I never experienced kind of the jury tampering situation where people are allowed to, I don't know, sway votes, talk about game at Ponderosa, like Survivor Africa, I heard they weren't allowed to drive, uh, jury wasn't allowed to talk to each other, all stars, jury's not allowed to talk to each other, make the decision on the day. But this time it was encouraged to talk to each other. And then even at tribal council, people are talking around. So yeah. there are definitely people lobbying for Tony, people lobbying for Natalie, Michelle. So it was interesting to see how that worked. I'd never experienced that. Awesome. And then one, one big question, because I feel like we, this season of Survivor really touched upon the lives of the contestants, the lives of you guys. And so what, is it like to play in a season of Survivor post-social media? Obviously, social media wasn't really around with Africa. So what's it kind of like playing a game when social media is around? And a lot of contestants also talked about how social media impacted their life, whether positively or negatively. Yeah. And do you think that's true for you? Uh, up to this point, I've had a positive experience with social media. Like you said, I hadn't played with it before. So for me, it's been really exciting and rewarding and fun to be able to interact with the fans and to get real-time live uh, opinions and commentary on what's happening on the show. And the only time I could interact with fans back when I played was to be with them in person. Like you go to an appearance or you do a speech or whatever you show up at. That was the only interaction. Now, like every platform you can talk to people and hear what their thoughts are and communicate back with them. Um, I'm, I'm writing these little like postcards from the edge, which are really fun for me to do. It's like, it's my view of the edge of extinction from an eight year old, angry, homesick, like paranoid, sad Ethan. And like, <laughs> I'm writing all these notes, like, and the fans on this social media are enjoying it. And that's fun for me to be able to literally, it's so awesome for me. On the flip side, I can completely understand how it could destroy your life. Fans are really excited about the show. They get really into it. They love it. They want to share their opinions. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. And they take it out on us because we're just a character on TV. We're not real human right. beings. Um, so I see both sides of it. For me, it's been positive. I see how other people, it's been pretty pretty traumatizing. Well, do you, have you experienced some of the other things that contestants talked about uh, finding it hard to trust people and, and things like that, just personal after effects coming back in any, you know, in any of all three of your appearances. I think earlier on uh, a little bit, yes, the, the, the trust thing and just, just questioning people's uh, motives for connecting with you in whatever way they are. That was yeah. definitely part of it for me this time. Not so much. Um, not so much. I didn't really play that much of the game where that stuff, you know, got, part you know got in my head and the edge of extinction like i said is a little bit more chill a little more relaxed not too much strategy you weren't lying that much and if they did it was about peanut butter and like <laughs> yeah did you guys pissed. know <laughs> did you guys know when tyson got the peanut butter no i mean i knew later because he left it for poverty and poverty stuck me a little scoop but like i didn't know any like <laughs> I really didn't know a lot that was going on. <laughs> you know, Natalie did a great job of hiding it. And, you know, that was kind of the rule. When a new person came to the edge of extinction, like people didn't really tell them what was going on before they got there. They either had to figure it out themselves or, you know, like it wasn't in our best interest to just tell them the rules of the edge. Hey, there's clues everywhere and there's peanut butter places. You got to, you know, 
<laughs> us any advantage. So yeah, the, we were playing a little bit, but it wasn't as intense as the real game. And the peanut butter thing was huge. It was like such a huge deal on the edge. Just all we could talk about, all we could think about, all we wanted. And they kind of minimized it, you know, a little bit on the show, but it's three, four, five, six days we're talking about peanut butter. <laughs> Are you gonna get it? Are you gonna sneak out at night? Or let me know when you go. Oh, I'll go when you go. And then people are following people around. You know, Rob would come in after I ate mine, he'd steal mine, he'd run over and steal Natalie's. Like it was happening, it was fun, it was exciting, it was crazy. It's funny. <laughs> Not crazy in the sense of the thing, but on the edge, it was considered crazy. Yeah, it's that's interesting that you say that. I mean, like we, you know, a lot of the fans were uh, sort of complaining that edge gives an advantage to people who have been there longer. And that's kind of what you were touching on where when a new person comes onto the edge, you don't necessarily, it's not in your interest to show them the ropes. So. Correct. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Unless you wanted to work with them and align with them. Right. Yeah. We looked up uh, some of the other stuff. Uh, since your original Africa appearance, You've done a bunch of really cool reality shows. You've done a bunch of really cool. I think they're cool. I'll speak for myself. Fear Factor, Kill Reality, Celebrity Paranormal Project. These are all things that I watched. <laughs> Bitch, man. I've seen you on all this stuff. Um, what was your favorite, maybe outside of Survivor? And are you looking to do more on-camera work in the future? Maybe another Survivor? Uh, my favorite outside of Survivor, not The Amazing Race. Definitely not that. Eco Challenge was really fun. Another Mark Burnett production. I love Pitchmen. Thank you for mentioning that. Anthony Sullivan's a good friend of mine still. Nice. Yeah. Um, and we invented the uh, the cereal bowl, the Easy Crunch Bowl. Are you sick yep. and tired of soggy cereal? Anyway. Um, but yeah, and I'm actually on another show coming up with Anthony Sullivan. Uh, he bought a 116-acre hemp farm in Plainfield, Vermont, and we filmed the whole thing from seed all the way to the product that we're making, and it's awesome. called Kings of Kush. It's going to premiere, premiere in the fall, so I'll be back on TV. I'm pretty excited about that. So you know where it's airing? What? what? You know what network it's airing on? I'm not at liberty to say right now, but the executive producer is a guy by the name of Tom Beers, and he did Ice Road Truckers, Monster Garage, Deadliest Catch, Storage Wars, so... Wherever those shows are tend to air might be a place where this might air. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, I was I always wonder uh, when and fans are like, I mean, contestants after the show that like keep little uh, souvenirs. Have you kept any souvenirs like from your time on Survivor? Ooh, are you allowed to? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I mean, let's see what I got in here. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is the machete from the edge of extinction this no is right here <laughs> how did you clear that past customs yeah right uh oh this way look at this what was this doing in there this is the placard from the brutal log challenge oh was wow. on the top of the hill i have something you guys will like this right here is an original piece of tree mail do you remember when there's tree mail yeah. Yeah. From Survivor Africa. What? Parchment paper, um, hand drawn. Now we get, it's like they give us printed out like computer paper. Um, mm. So I got that. Here is, oh, where, oh, this is good. What else do I got? Ah, this is, ne this is never before seen on a podcast before. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. We're ready. A hidden immunity idol. I showed this to uh, uh, Rob Sesternino, but this I made on the edge in case it got back in the game. But you know, 
no one knew about it. No one sees it. You know, I put it in my bag. So there's lots of fun stuff that was happening out there, right? So you were That's practicing so awesome. fake idols. You were going <laughs> to play that game. Yeah. Awesome. How very new school I mean, of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the idols this season, I mean, they were just, I mean, Basic. you could have gone back to that stick thing. That would have worked in this season. You know, you have no idea what was an idol was. Like, as you saw, Adam tried to play the podium, which I thought was brilliant. But uh, said, yo, we said when that happened, Jeff should have made an audible and just let it count. That's so brilliant. Just brilliant. like, you know what? Yep, that's right. And I'm executive producer and I get to do that. <laughs> this is an immediate idol. She said, why, yes, Adam, it is an idol. Like, and it's and so great. Idol. It was <laughs> after that happened, we were, we were making poking fun at Adam in a nice way, but we're like, oh, uh, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna play Rob today. You know, I'm gonna play this, this giant shell of a ship, you know. Uh, I'd like to play this stool right here. You know, so we're just like making fun of him. But it's pretty funny. That was great. That was really great. Uh, we have a time for about maybe one question. And I kind of, it's a question that I kind of want uh, your assistance with Steve because uh, Steve was a new member of our panel this season and obviously he was on the dream team. So it's been kind of nice to get your perspective and, and challenges. Ethan, was there any one challenge that you find you, you very difficult and you're wondering what you could have done to crack it? Cause <laughs> Steve could probably tell you. Well, I didn't compete in that many challenges. Uh, and I pra- I even practiced some of the stuff that we had to do, tying knots, untying knots, to, like tie the sticks together to get the key, which I was a disaster for me. Um, I would say on the, uh, like the, the, you know, the, the pulley thing, like the snake for the playing challenge, mm-hmm. is that like, do you keep it even the whole time? Are you tipping it to go around the corners? I I was going the route where you kind of keep it even, move back, kind of, I don't know. Obviously, I did it incorrectly. It wasn't a good job, but. Well, I that challenge is always one. who can get the feel of it first, you know, and some people got it and some people don't. It's crazy how sometimes you just can't wrap your head around it like some puzzles you're like i just don't get it and others it just clicks i have a question for you if you can get access to this i want to know one who tested the log challenge and what how long <laughs> did it take them to do it first of all and was it difficult for them because i just want to know how long it's supposed to take when you're fed and slept and how they evaluated how long it would take us and how much time they would give us to do it I mean, that is a great question because there were a lot of challenges that the dream team was really, really struggling with. And I was like, I don't know how I could do this if I wasn't eating and sleeping every single night. And the contestants would go out and just like crush our times. Right. It was like when these people are hardcore, they, it, I guess the money is another motivating factor. But there were times where I was just like, I can, you know, like the endurance challenges where I was just like, I don't know how. Uh, anyone can do this with no you know food and, and not sleeping or whatever so I mean hats off to you guys because it was tough for me and you know my people so uh that is definitely a new level of respect well for you too I mean if it wasn't for you we wouldn't be able to do these challenges so I appreciate you guys walking through it s- sacrificing your own body to get through <laughs> it. Um, we're all playing for money if you want to look at it that way so. that's true I do have some I still have some scars on my legs from uh, some of my old survivor days so yeah <laughs> well 
uh i think we that's should do my a little, like, survivor souvenir <laughs> scars yeah I'm, just, I'm emotionally scarred you got real scars <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean ethan just i just want to say as a fan and as a you know a, the stepchild in the survivor family uh what a great you know moment it was to watch you come back and just you know i just want to say thanks for being such an awesome representative of this show because you know, you were one of the early winners and, uh, you know, everybody was just so thrilled to have you back. So I just want to say thanks. And it was awesome, you know, watching and getting to talk to you now. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate the kind words. And uh, it's, it, it was an honor to be asked back. And I had a lot of fun being on there. I had a lot of fun watching it. My family did. My wife did. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the show. It changed my life. And I'm just happy that uh, people are still watching and they're loving it. And this season was spectacular and, you know, podcast didn't exist back in the day. When I was on the show. So thank you for spreading the word about this awesome show that we're all part of. Man, you're awesome. Real quick, before we go and we sign off, we know you do a ton with charity. We're so happy, by the way, that you're healthy and, and you battled cancer and you won, man. That's awesome. It's very inspirational for everybody going through, especially everything that's going on right now. So you're a big inspiration. Real quick before we go, shout out the stuff that you've got going on, the charity stuff and everything like that. And, and where can everybody follow you at? Uh, charity stuff. I got a lot of grassroots soccer. I got old school. This is going for rare cancer research. Just to let everyone know, this shirt will be phased out soon. This logo is disappearing. So if you want your shirt, get it now. I guess I can say we're going to be shutting it down pretty soon. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at, at Ethan Zahn. And uh, that's about it. My website's ethanzahn.com. And once again, thank you so much, Ethan, for taking the time to join us tonight, just to kind of end and to give everyone who's watching some kind of encouragement. You know, all of the Survivor vans looked forward to every Wednesday because the, it's a very tough time right now and we look to it as comfort. Do you have any words of, you know, happiness or encouragement to, as we continue to strut through this difficult time? You know, we've heard it before, but now is a perfect time to lean on the community. You know, I can only experience, you know, when I went through cancer, I was isolated for 260 days in a bubble and I lived five years in a socially isolated lifestyle. I've been through this and I was alone in that journey. Now, the beautiful thing about this horrible situation we're going through is we're all doing it at the same time. So if you feel alone or scared or uh, unsettled, uh, have anxiety, reach out to someone else. We're all going through this, connect with each other, share, lean on other people and ask for help because, you know, on the other side of this is hope and resilience. And that's part of everyone uh, on this planet. So I think that's something to look forward to. Again, thank you so much for joining us, Ethan. And thank you to my amazing co-host for also joining us today. Steve, where can the Survivor fans find you on social media? You can find me at Stevie G on TV. <laughs> I'm going there right now. I'm going there right now. <laughs> Mike, where can everyone find you? Yo, guys, I'm doing a ton of stuff with AfterBuzz. Most of the stuff right now is reality uh, relationship stuff. So all the Married at First Sights, Labor of Love, Find Love Live. I'm finding love here during quarantine for everybody. Ethan, you rock. We're looking forward to the next show, The Hemp Stuff. That's amazing. You can follow me everywhere at Mike Thieling. And you can find me, Veronica Valencia, on Twitter and Instagram at it's me, Veronica underscore V. Thank you again so much, Ethan. Everyone, go check out Ethan on social media. Go check out his charities. And we'll see you for season 41. Ooh. Survivor fans, 
Survivor fans will see you for season 41. Maybe Ethan will show up. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Scared me. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Get back out there, Ethan. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to 